You're listening to Bands and Botanicals, a unique podcast where trainer and trainee discuss fitness, herbalism, and healthy habits for life. We're your hosts. I'm Paula Kirsch, owner of Botanically Curious and Artisan Herbalist. And my name is Danielle Kreese, certified personal trainer and owner of DC Fit. Now, before we get started, if you could do us a brief favor and go to Apple Podcasts and just leave us a review, we'd love to hear from you. And with that being said, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Bands and Botanicals. Welcome. Paula, how are you doing today? I am doing great. It is, it's a little chilly outside. Yeah. I always go to the weather. I don't know why. It's just the most universal conversation. <laughs> Even when I've lived in the middle of nowhere, the weather is always a go-to topic. Mm. But we got some blue skies, so that's nice. Yeah. And it's April, so we're getting into spring full, full, yeah, something. Spring in full effect. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It's so nice to see all of the buds blooming. Mm. And life just coming back. And it's so green in the valley right now since it's not not that dry yet. So right. we got to hold on to that, to the lushness of it before it gets too dry in the summer. Um, but we have an exciting episode. I'm excited for it. It's going to uh, kickstart our April kind of theme. And that being a bit of kind of travel and worldliness, I guess you could say, mm. and uh, herbs from different parts of the world, herbs from different regions, um, and then ways that you can move while you're traveling, ways that you can move depending on the, the place that you're traveling to. So, you know, whether you're getting a vaccine, whether you're not getting a vaccine, whether uh, things are opening up again or not, I think we're all just kind of getting excited to, to start to be able to do stuff again. So, yeah, I think it's really the same as when we couldn't go to the gym and everybody kind of got that fitness bug. And so now it's like the travel bug because we haven't been able to go anywhere for a while. I know a lot more people are uh, planning trips, even if it's somewhat local. So we figured we'd make it a theme for this month. So that way you can stay on your goals. Yeah. Get you jazzed up. I mean, I, my heart is literally just going bananas. It's going ape shit inside of me to travel. And and local travel is just as, as special. I mean, if you're on an adventure and you're exploring something new, then you don't have to go very far for it to be something awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So Paula, I know that you have a certain perspective. You're going to have a certain theme, I guess, with today's work. So what are you bringing in for our first topic for our travel, um, our travel theme for this month? So in that same mindset of traveling, trying different things, you know, seeing new places potentially in the world of herbalism, there's different ways that you can practice. And so that might be Chinese, traditional Chinese me herbal medicine, you know, it might be more of uh, something like what I practice. But today we're going to be talking about Ayurveda because we've mentioned a lot of those herbs in the past. And it would be nice to just mention a few little things, maybe to get you interested to research a little bit more about it. So just to give us an idea, since we are keeping kind of like this global perspective, where in the world do you know uh, if where Ayurvedic medicine kind of originated? So we're talking about like India. Um, it totally reminded me of where in the world is Carmen, <laughs> Carmen San Diego. <laughs> so yes, that's the theme. Um, but with um, Ayurvedic medicine, you're looking at the mindset of elements. That's kind of the basis for a lot of it. And so it's air, water, fire, earth. 
And then they have a fifth element, which is ether and space. And so um, this is kind of the basis. And then they move to your body type. We've talked about constitutions in the past, like hot, cold, some of those in Ayurveda, they have doshas. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So that way, if you recognize uh, the ways that different types of herbal medicine kind of commingle in that way, you can take bits and pieces of each. And it even allows you to understand your practices a little better by learning other practices. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really beneficial. And, you know, it's just another way to be proactive in your health and understanding when your body is out of balance. We mentioned before with like traditional Chinese medicine, that uh, life force mm -hmm. that you have, you know, so it's going to be the same thing where your dosha has dominant properties or constituents. And when they're out of balance, you can really tell within your body. Yeah. I mean, I, I love this theme and I love that you're bringing in herbal practices from different regions and different perspectives, because I think that's one of the coolest things about herbalism is that, you know, clearly we haven't been this connected for all of human history. And yet, despite not being able to communicate across the world, we have uh, practices that may overlap each other or that support each other and the ideas that they're that they're sharing. So it's just a really cool thing, I think, over this month, kind of seeing how that all blends together to kind of create this um, this this great knowledge of plant medicine and of ways to support the body. Yeah. And I will be talking a little bit about kind of just uh, an introductory uh, conversation into tips and tricks and mindsets for staying active throughout your vacations or throughout your travels. Um, I have, you know, vacationed for as many as just one day to as much as backpacking for four and a half months. Um, so both of those things kind of require different focuses and also different um different routines, I guess you could say. And, and there are definitely ways that you could always incorporate movement, whether you are doing it in the tiniest space in the corner of a hostel, or whether you're doing it on a mountain, which we'll get into uh, throughout the month as well. So that will be kind of my, my little two cents for today's topic. Nice. But I'm really, you know, you mentioned these doshas and, and I love how Sometimes when you talk about things, and especially when you give characteristics that go with each of these types, right. they feel so accessible to people. So if you want to dive right in, I would love to know about these doshas and, you know, kind of see how we each pertain to, to the, the, the varieties. Right. So just like anything, nobody is ever one specific type completely all of the time. And so really when we're talking about the doshas, there's three of them and there's always this unique combination that everybody has. And so it's really being able to be in tune with your body and understanding that and then pinpointing some of those things about yourself and realizing that you're not always going to be dominantly one type. There's always a balance that happens. And so for the doshas, we have vata, pitta, and kapha. And for a vata, the first one, that's the elements of more air and space. So mm. those people are usually considered like thin or lanky. Maybe they're really tall and very thin. Mm -hmm. It's actually pretty difficult for them to put any weight on. So that's the Vata type where building muscle mass or maybe they're just naturally thin might be um, what we're talking about here. And then highly sensitive in terms of nervous system. And so these people might be able to be overwhelmed a little bit easier than others. 
when they're out of balance, you can potentially see like dry skin or drying in the GI tract. Now, when we talk about drying and we shift back to what I've talked about in the past with constituents like dry, um, that also speaks to like atrophy. So mm. if your GI is not working correctly, if it's sluggish a little bit, that can happen. The really interesting thing with Ayurveda and the doshas specifically is that they're also sometimes tied to um, times of the day. And so you'll see potentially that somebody who's got a strong like vata dosha is maybe a night owl. So it's difficult for them to really go to bed um, at a decent hour. And like I mentioned, you know, that could probably uh, contribute to the burnout that they have a lot of the time. So these people, mm -hmm. if they're aware that this is the type of person they are, maybe they're smaller, thin, um, they probably shouldn't overwhelm themselves with like schedules or different things because uh, there's a higher chance of them kind of shifting or un being unbalanced with a lot of that. So again, that's the dry light. There can be some coldness. The roughness comes from like the dry skin. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy if you just tune into your body and you notice these small shifts of like, okay, my skin's a little bit dry. What does this mean? Or, you know, if you know that you're that type, um, just things to consider. And then we have the pitta. So pitta, you can imagine pitta like a fire pit. So it's the fire and the water together. Ooh. And when fire and water come together, you get steam. So there's a lot of force and power behind it. And that's why it's usually considered to be kind of the warrior body. Um, so easily builds muscle. They're more athletic, more mentally energetic. So kind of more high energy a lot of the time, like let's do this now. And also when they're out of balance, that can mean that they're really getting stuck or fixated on something some of the time. So if you know that you're that kind of powerhouse most of the time, you're athletic, you're all these things, but then you can really get fixated on one particular thing if it's like throwing a wrench in your day because it's you're, it's just not computing in your brain, that can potentially happen. Hyperthyroidism is another thing that could potentially happen. And then stresses with the uh, liver because there's a lot of that emotion that comes with that kind of high energetic mm -hmm. mentality. And, you know, when you see those pronounced with like stress or distress on the liver in general, you know, something to look out for. So when we talk about uh, pitta, you know, potentially some of the aspects of it was like oily, hot. Um, there's a little bit of a lightness to it there because of the steam aspect. And then when we're talking about like oily, it could be that you have soft skin, but then if you're out of balance, you can get overly oily skin. So then there's breakouts, there's other things that happen. So just knowing that there's some aspects of this and then when it's out of, out of balance, it's just overly exaggerated within your body and then understanding that and knowing how to kind of get in balance. Now the kapha, which is the last one here, even just the sound of it sounds like heavy and like thick. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what it is. So it's earth and water together, which is like mud. So it's thick, yeah. hardy. Um, and this is someone who can really do very well with like powerlifting. If we're thinking of it from like a fitness perspective, they're usually a little larger, thick, kind of stout. Uh, these are like your linebackers. These people can do really well with slow, heavy, like hiking or other things where there's endurance and stamina, mm -hmm. but not quick sprinting stamina. Mm -hmm. You know, like they can really last for a long time. They can pack on the weight. They can, you know, they're the ones that's going to carry the backpack when you're hiking, do a little bit of that extra stuff. And it's like slow and steady and they kind of get there. Um, so slow, heavy, sometimes that means cold. So if you're out of balance and you're stuck and cold and stagnant, knowing that that might be part of your kapha dosha. Um, and also just, like I said, dense. 
uh, is one of the aspects. So for me, just as an example, I'm a mixture of a pitta kapha, and you can go online, you can see this, you know, if you actually research herbalism and then you start going into Ayurvedic medicine in particular, you'll see a lot more of this when you start working on yourself or other people. And the pitta kapha is it's that fire, but it's also that kind of um, stamina. So in some respects, it can be really good if like you're a CEO or a boss, because you've got the stamina to keep going. You've got that force behind you. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Um, and just knowing that there's good aspects to that and there's bad aspects to that where you can still kind of, you know, be heavy, dense, and then also stuck in your mindset about, so sometimes you can be stubborn if you're a Pitakafa, um, or just being the one that always needs to be right. Right. Which, you know, my husband would say that's totally not me. <laughs> um, but you know, and then there's, like I said, there's like changings and, of the times of day where they're a little more prominent or just like seasons. So like for me in particular, I'm more Pitta in the summer and then I'm Kapha in the winter where I just love to embrace the cold, slow life, heavy soups, you know, all that stuff. And so it's just something to really look at. And I think it's interesting because people can quickly, there's tons of different quizzes online that you can take or fun stuff like that, just to kind of give you an inkling of what that would look like. Because so many people now being gone more toward Eastern medicine and uh, chemical medicine and just going to the doctor, don't have that practice of listening to their own bodies. And a mm -hmm. lot of what happens can really be prevented by just keying into these little small imbalances that you have and kind of going from there. So I really enjoy that. I, I also love how you mentioned, and you mentioned it, I think for the Vata, which was the first, mm -hmm. um, the first dosha, you had mentioned how they tend to be night owls. And I just, Going back to that idea of these concepts, you know, working throughout centuries and now we're putting science to it and we're getting these same results. I mean, it makes me think of when, and I kind of keep coming back to this episode, but the one with Tanessa, just because I found it so interesting with the biohacking uh, of the body. I mean, she talked about how some people just aren't made to wake up at five in the morning. They're right. not going to be their most productive self. They're going to feel that burnout. Right. You know, some people are better going to bed from 9.30 to 7. Mm -hmm. So if they if they plan anything before then, they may feel exhausted by the end of the day or that they can't focus that early in the morning. And it's because their body is wired a certain way, just like right. these doshas, even though they are fluid to a certain extent, mm -hmm. they are kind of uh, dependent on each individual. And I just find it fascinating that people had this insight, this mindfulness, this connection to the body, to the mind, to the self. years ago. Yeah, before yeah. they needed something scientific to prove to them that it was real. Right. And it's just, it's so mind-blowing. It's so mind-blowing. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I think, you know, one more thing to just add to that is if you know that you're more of a fiery water, like if it's a pitta kapha, you've got twice as much water, and then you've got the fire and earth. And so you know you're going to have susceptibility to like being damp and being heavy and dense, but also you've got that fire. So you have to realize if you've got those aspects within your body, you have to really gently balance your herbs. You can't always every single day be drinking dandelion tea or every mm -hmm. single day, you know, drinking marshmallow tea or whatever it is, because you're going to throw yourself off of balance. So just knowing that about your diet and about your, the herbs you're incorporating is really important. Yeah. So cool. So cool. So much to stay aware of. Um, and just practice, right? Just practice. Um, so I wanted to kind of start talking about little tips and tricks that you can take with you when you go traveling. Now, 
like I mentioned, there are different ways in which we travel and some of them are short burst vacations and some of them are, are a bit longer. Um, but the first thing that I really think is the most important is that you shouldn't be embarrassed if you do want to incorporate some movement or some form of exercise into your vacation. Uh, I remember Paula and I talked about this a little bit when we were talking about going into the holiday season and being comfortable and setting your boundaries on what you will and won't eat. And you know, sometimes we feel that shaming from other people around us if they aren't doing the same things for themselves. It'll be like, oh my God, why are you working out? Like you're making me feel like shit. And especially I think during vacation, we're of the mindset that we need to completely give in to like, I guess like our hedonistic tendencies, right. like that full indulgence, full pleasure, full, mm -hmm. um, you know, giving into the, the partying or the, the full relaxing or whatever it is, the full eating. And it doesn't always have to be that way. And, and I feel like there, there's a place for that. Absolutely. But don't be shamed. Don't be embarrassed by wanting to also do something healthy for yourself while you're on vacation. Yeah. Um, especially if, if you know that your mind's going to be better for it. I mean, <laughs> Jeff and I tested this out, not on purpose, but over the course of four and a half months, when we both were backpacking for the first time together uh, throughout Southeast Asia, there, you know, it's really easy to fall into the mindset of, I have to party all the time mm -hmm. or, you know, you see, you meet people and all of a sudden your plans change and you want to be able to be fluid with it and all that stuff. And if you take some time to exercise, sometimes people look at you like, what the hell are you doing? Right. But four and a half months is a long time to completely forego all of your routines. Mm -hmm. So, so just coming back, just reiterating, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Even if it seems weird to others, honestly, who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. You're going to feel better for it. I had four days, four day thresholds. Mm -hmm. I always say this, but that's when we discovered it. <laughs> if I went four days without a type of healthy movement, my mental state severely suffered. Right. Um, and it was noticeable. And Jeff would just be like, just go do something, babe. And I'd come back and I'd be like, hi. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do feel better. <laughs> So, you know, just do what you got to do for yourself is basically what I have to say. In that same breath, give yourself some grace. You do not have to also maintain the same degree of intensity or the same uh, frequency that you do when you're at home, when you are on vacation. I mean, it. Oh, everything, every single thing comes back to balance, you guys. And this right. is no different. I want to tell you to, to make sure you get in that workout while you're on vacation for your mental health. But I also want to tell you that you are on vacation because of your mental health, mm -hmm. because you do need to relax, because you're trying to take away stress from your day. And you should be able to give in to those pleasurable moments where you're not worried about what you need to do. So find that balance, especially, you know, and, and, and reflect on how long you're traveling for. Mm -hmm. If you're traveling for a week and you could get in one or two workouts, that's fantastic. Right. If you're traveling for a month, maybe having it once or twice a week is what keeps you on track. Um, and remember that you're not confined to a gym. And I think a lot of us got some good practice in mm -hmm. over this past year with quarantine of learning that we could move our body efficiently and effectively without stepping into a gym. And to know that and to feel confidence in that, I think is paramount when you're traveling. 
because especially if you're going to other countries to go to a different gym may feel overwhelming. It may not even be tangible. If you travel the way I do, I like to put myself smack dab in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I like to make the place that I get to hard to get to for some reason. It's just the way I like to travel. I don't like being in cities really. Um, so that gym isn't even an option for me when I travel. And for many people, it may not be as well. So just kind of looking at, at, alternative ways to move as part of your adventure, as part of your exploration. I mean, I've never been to Europe. Uh, most of my travels have been in Asia, but I always talk to people and they're like, yes, I lived in Europe and I was scared that I was going to gain weight. But, you know, even though I ate whatever I want at whatever time of day I wanted, they were like, I was walking around those cities so much that I either maintained or like maybe just barely put on a little bit of weight, right. but not as excessively as one would have expected because mm -hmm. that exploration that they were doing on a day-to-day -day basis added up. Mm -hmm. Those steps add up just because you're not running or sprinting or lifting. It doesn't mean that your body's not going to react to the effort you are putting in. And I think that's really important because so many people go on vacation, they come back, and they're exhausted after their vacation because they totally went crazy. They're like, I've been civilized and on track for so long. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go nuts. I deserve it. A vacation from your vacation. Right. <laughs> and then it's just like you get back and you're like, oh, you ate a bunch of crap. You traveled. You're tired. You know, you, you didn't drink every away. single night. Like yeah. I mean, there's so many things where it's just like I think it can definitely be a new practice to, mm -hmm. to enjoy yourself and have those little things, but know that you're going to have to eventually come home and get back into it and don't make it so hard on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your vacation should be a reset. Mm -hmm. It should be recharging. It shouldn't be depleting. And, and I always say this, I'm honest with you guys about how I like to, you know, have my fun and have some drinks here and there and stuff like that. And I, I have had to switch my mindset as well. What Paula just said when I was younger, and obviously many young people feel the same way. They feel like they have to go to that balls to the wall. And, and I guess you're right, even when you're not younger. Right. We live such stressful lives. We put so much on our plates that we go and we just go buck crazy mm -hmm. because it's like all of the things we were trying to hold on to, we just completely let go of. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right, Paula. Like you come back and you almost feel more tired than when you went into it. Right. And that's not good. That's right. not good for you. That's the opposite of what you should be doing. Exactly. Even if you say adapted, maybe like a vegan uh, diet while you were on vacation, you can if it's something you haven't done before, you can experience new types of foods that you thought you never want. You can eat a lot more because it's going to be more calorie. Um, it's going to be more nutritious and mm -hmm. dense, less calories. Mm -hmm. And so you can eat a lot more. It seems like you're eating a lot more, but you know, some things where you can shift it. And I mean, that's a total recharge. You're eating nothing but plants for a week and you're enjoying all this delicious food because you're going to be eating out. People always have vegan and vegetarian options now that are delicious in a lot of places. Oh my God. Even in backpacking through Southeast Asia, I remember I almost went full vegetarian because, and this is only because food is something that is, is a fear for me only because my stomach's so sensitive, not because of the calories or anything. I mean, yes, that played a role in my mind when I was younger, but you know, 
certain meats, like especially if they were in the sun or on the street, mm. I have such a sensitive stomach and I was getting sick relatively often while I was backpacking that I almost started going straight to just like tofu and vegetables for right. almost every single meal, mm -hmm. throw in some noodles in there and some rice and call it a day. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, your diet may change on purpose or on accident. Right. And, and sometimes that's fun too, because you, like you said, and I'm, I'm going to touch on that a little bit later, but it's, you're trying new things. Right. Well, you know, talking about balancing, whether it's going on vacation and keeping that health balance, uh, we talked about doshas and in herbalism and just Ayurveda and all these different aspects of just more holistic approaches to wellness, there's always that balance. And so the belief is that combining more synergistic herbs, like we've mentioned in the past, where you can blend herbs together to get a more powerful result for a specific type, like um, we mentioned Tulsi paired with ginger or Tulsi paired with ginkgo, mm. you know, you can take herbs and do that. And so we're going to be talking about that by talking about one specific blend in particular that comes from the Ayurvedic tradition uh, which is triphala. So that's T-R-I-P-H-A-L-A. And that's got a really great blend. We've talked about amla powder in the past. I think I've posted some stuff. I put it in my pre-workouts. I put it in like protein balls and all kinds of things. Fantastic. And so triphala is actually a powdered blend of three different fruits. And so these come um, from Asia traditionally. And you've got the haritake, the bibitake, and the amlataki. And they dry those, they grind them up, and you can probably find um, this as an herb blended uh, supplement online as well if you'd like to do this. But it allows you to synergistically connect and balance uh, your doshas in general. So it's going to help you. It's just something that overall holistic wellness, it's a fantastic thing to incorporate. And so, you know, something that I just wanted to mention with that. But what we usually call it is like, polyherbal medicine. So if you think about it, you know, you really incorporate polyherbal medicine anytime that you take herbal teas, because there's probably more than one type of herb within that. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they blend herbs together, just like the teas that I make that I have on my website, it's for that more holistic, balanced approach. So you're not getting out of balance. It's supporting you more than what we would traditionally have with like chemical medicine where you're getting antibiotics or some of those things that are going to totally throw your body out of whack. And so that's a big belief in Ayurveda is that synergy between herbs and that polyherbalism. And this is a great one if you're traveling because it supports the GI tract and, you know, all of that. So when you're talking about upset stomachs or some of those mm -hmm. things, this is a fantastic one when you're traveling because you are being incorporated into new you know, even just the water you drink is different. Yeah. So taking something that's going to help support your body through those changes is really important. Yeah. So kind of moving into a couple more uh, tangible tips, um, not just kind of like mindsets, but tangible, ti uh, tangible tips for your travels. It's a alliteration, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you're in a hostel, you know, obviously hostels are all about sharing space with people. That's part of the experience. I think I'm, I'm so grateful for my $2 hostels that I was able to stay in and the people wow. that I met. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, they definitely came with their challenges, but I was really grateful for them. And one thing I did notice that's pretty common in hostels, um, is that there's always kind of like an outdoor common area. Mm -hmm. uh, where you do have a decent amount of space. So if you don't have space, maybe you're sharing, 
you know, you're bunking with people in a room, or even if you do get a private room, sometimes they're extremely small with limited space for you to move around in. Try to go to that common area. More likely than not, if you kind of wake up early, you know, a lot of people are sleeping in sometimes when they're backpacking, they are on those longer travels. So it's not like they feel the need to like wake up at the crack of dawn every single morning to fit in what they need to. So take advantage of those early hours where you don't have as many people walking around the hospital, especially if your comfort level is a factor. I mean, that would be a great alternative for you to get it in without feeling like you have people watching you. Mm. Um, And then, you know, there are areas all around you, like parks, uh, obviously, airports even. I've been to some airports and I'm, I know that it's it could be very uncomfortable for people to move in the middle of the waiting room or whatever, the, the seated area before you step into the plane. But I've actually found in some airports there are yoga rooms. I don't know how that works right now, to be completely honest with you with COVID. They may not even be accessible at this moment, but they're not always going to be inaccessible. Mm-hmm. So maybe asking Asking, especially if you're on an international flight, um, you know, you're in the international terminal, people tend to have long layovers with those flights. And that may be the area that you could find some quiet space, whether it's in a yoga room or whether it's just an area where there aren't many people. Um, You know, sometimes traveling, you do have those overnight layovers where I've, I've slept on the floor in a Japanese airport with literally no one around me mm-hmm. for hours. Right. So, you know, take advantage of those quiet times that you have to yourself or those spaces that people are providing and just ask because I would have had no idea that a yoga room in, I believe it may have been the San Francisco airport, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they had a yoga room in there with blocks and with mats. So you didn't even have to have that with you. Uh, If you're doing local trips, don't underestimate your local rest area. Mm -hmm. I mean, or just the highway rest area. I had such a perception before Jeff and I lived in a van for a bit and traveled around of what a rest area was. I thought it was dirty and shady. And I just thought about, you know, in Florida, we didn't have rest areas. It was kind of just like rest stops, which I know sounds different, but it was like you were in and out for food. Essentially, it wasn't like a space for you to actually relax. But after traveling around the country, so many rest areas are far back off the highway. Some of them are huge open spaces of grass and of, or next to a river. I mean, you'd be surprised at the tranquility of some rest areas and the, and the space that they provide for you to be able to move. Mm-hmm. And with that space comes benches or things, uh, you know, big logs or whatever you, you can get your hands on that could help you mm-hmm. add a little bit of resistance. Um, But let's say, let's go back to that hostel real quick. And let's say you are in a space, and I've been in this situation many times, that you literally may have only about as much space as you are wide between every wall around the bed. Mm -hmm. Like literally your backpack explodes, obviously. Mm -hmm. And you may have a sliver or you may even just have a hallway. Let's say it's like a hallway sized area. You may feel like that's not enough space to move, but you just need to think about the movements that are more forward and back or more lateral in nature. You don't have to have, you know, like these big sprawling movements. For example, if you have a narrow space or narrow hallway, you could incorporate walking lunges. If you fit in that space, you could go down and get in your push-ups. You could do squats, turn your body around, and you could do um, lateral shuffles Mm -hmm. and get in a little bit of cardio. So it it doesn't always have to require all of this space 
but you just need to think about movements that work within that space Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, not narrowing yourself down to, Oh my God, I don't have this equipment or I can't do this like full body where arms and legs go wide. And I just take up all the space in the whole world. You know, there are plenty of things you could do without that. Um, and let's say you are, not on the first floor, because I've also been in this situation a lot. And if you're staying in a hostel, chances are you could probably hear everything in all of the rooms around you. (laughs) So you may be really nervous, and I've been in this situation too, or really consider it rather, that you don't want to be pounding on the floor. Let's say you don't want to be jumping around with your workouts. You're afraid you're going to have too much noise in order to get anything done. That's just another excuse. Because like I always say, excuse me, like I always say, you're only limited by your creativity. Mm -hmm. So instead of having, you know, maybe that's just not going to be a big cardio day for you. Maybe you, you do jump, but you really practice landing softly and landing quietly. Because that's a huge skill that people need to uh, practice anyways when they jump, Mm -hmm. how to absorb the impact. So try to land really softly. Uh, Do mobility work or do eccentric movements, those slow time under tension movements that are going to build up the heat within you but aren't going to contribute to the people underneath you wanting to punch you in the face. Mm -hmm. If you're just like, (laughs) no one wants that. Right. No one wants that. So, you know, just being mindful, but still getting in that movement that works for you. Yoga is obviously Pilates. Those are great practices to have when you can't have big explosive movements because they are quiet. They are mindful. Um, Using anything around you in that hotel room or that hostel. Um, I'm going to put up a workout that I did when I uh, was just staying in a hotel room in LA a couple of years ago when I went to a, a convention And I just, I used my backpack and I used an ottoman. And those were the two things I used. I may have even used a table. I don't even know. I just grabbed whatever I could. And all of those things are weighted. They're all resistance. Throw that backpack on your back and tell me how those squats feel with your entire backpacking backpack on. Right. I mean, there's, there's no reason why you can't add some resistance to your movements because there's so many things around you that you can just pull from without having to go straight to a dumbbell or a barbell. Mm. And with that being said, bring, if you bring one resistance band, now I know I have backpacked to where every single little piece of space in that backpack is being utilized. You know, if you have four and a half months, you're definitely not packing four and a half months worth of clothing. You're probably packing as much as you can of clothing and then your toiletries and all of those other things. So if you have one resistance band with handles or without handles, or you have the small mini bands that you could put around uh, your legs or use for upper body work, that takes up almost no space, Mm -hmm. almost no space. So there really is no reason. I've even tied my resistance bands to the outside of my backpacks if they've been particularly full or I haven't been able to fit it in, which has almost been no time because they are so small. There's no reason they shouldn't, but you could just tie them to the back. Right. And the last thing I just wanted to bring around, this has nothing to do with movement, but it has to do with food because it's a huge factor for people. And I'm just going to touch briefly on this is that your food is very similar to your workouts. Mm -hmm. Give yourself some grace. You should be enjoying food. You should be enjoying local cuisine. You should be trying things, Mm -hmm. but know that you don't have to indulge in every single meal. Mm -hmm. Not every meal has to be something fried 
or decadent. In so many countries that you may visit, especially if you like going to tropical locations, the, the freshness of the fruit and the vegetables is second to none and you're getting it straight from there. And why not indulge in that? Mm -hmm. Instead of indulging in some fried shit that you could probably get back home also, indulge in the freshness mm -hmm. of the food that doesn't have to be transported to you from these countries. Right. I mean, like, that's such a beautiful thing. And if you are staying in a hostel, nine times out of ten, they have a small kitchen or something, mm -hmm. a little a hot stove, even a microwave, something that can allow you to take back a little bit of control. Right. You don't have to eat out every single meal. You could, I mean, Jeff and I prepared our meals quite often while we've traveled. Um, just because we get a flavor of what we want, it also kind of allows us to emerge ourselves as people who live there. You go into the grocery store, you buy the things that are available to you. To me, that is part of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so use your food just like you would use your movement to enhance your experience, to also enhance your mindset. And, and still feel like you are enjoying yourself and trying something new and feeling that pleasure that comes with vacation. Yeah, I love it. So with that, guys, you know, take 2021 and the new opportunities that arise. Try new things. You know, learn something about a new type of herbalism. Learn how to move your body and what foods you eat when you're on vacation. You know, immerse yourself in something that allows you to really shift out of 2020 and the restrictions that we've had and grow yourself, your mind, your body into something completely brand new. I love it. I do love it. <laughs> All right, guys, peace and love. Enjoy a beautiful day and we'll see you next time. or topics discussed during this podcast should not be a replacement for any type of medical advice. Although Danielle is a certified trainer and I have a knowledge of herbal medicine, any decision to incorporate an exercise or herbal remedy is always your own.